This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Join the discussion at Ping.TV slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever it is, you are listening to us over here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So I have to get ready, folks, to go pick up my mother-in-law at the airport she's flying in from poland and she's going to be here for about three months to help us out so we are getting ready to do that my wife decided i want to get out of the house so we're going to take the baby on its first little trip to dulles airport and see how that goes ladies and gentlemen maybe i'll get to change some diapers in the car while my wife gets to feed baby william so that should be a lot of fun if you haven't had a chance check it out over at Twitter, at Hackable Animal, I put up a little video I shot of William in his first suit. And he looked like he was tap dancing. So I put it to some tap dance music, and I find it to be quite entertaining. I'll see if I can upload that at pain.tv slash gold. To all of you who have left a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment, thank you very much. If you have not done that, please pause for just a moment. 
and do that. Folks, we appreciate it. Join us at pain.tv slash gold. Get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the Thomas Payne podcast. And you get access to a Facebook-like website and app where you can communicate and share intelligence with like minded folks if you'd like to leave a donation for the show check us out at donorbox.org slash dustin gold show it helps put food on the table and keep the lights on over here while we're building up the monetization on the dustin gold standard all right ladies and gentlemen let's get right into it yesterday we ended we were reviewing the uh paper that i found very good paper called Retrospectives, Eugenics and Economics in the Progressive Era by Thomas C. Leonard. And this was written in the Journal of Economic Perspectives, Volume 19, Number 4, Fall of 2005. And it's a very good piece I found when I was doing research into the history of eugenics. So I want to finish that up today. And then what I might do is record a second show and finish up birth without violence and then going into this week there's a few articles i want to review that i found in my research on eugenics tied into technocracy and then we're going to start to slowly dismantle and analyze more of the technocracy incorporated documents and tie that into what is going on today. And then we should be recording a show with Wide Awake Jim this week and hopefully Maria Albanese this week. And then a buddy of mine, Dan Golvach, who has been studying the FTX scandal. So we're going to work on trying to get all that done this week during Thanksgiving and continue to push this valuable content out to you because I know so many of you are starting to plan. And thank you for those who reached out based on the suggestions we gave yesterday on starting to think about realistic solutions to the problems we face. Again, the formula is one, educate yourself and others. Two, insulate yourself from the coming collapse. Three, separate yourself from densely populated areas. Four, congregate with like-minded individuals maybe think about building a breakaway community and five accelerate put your foot on the gas because the technocrats and the transhumanists are coming at us at warp speed and so if we want to try to insulate ourselves and separate ourselves and congregate with other like-minded folks we need to accelerate those plans we can't keep sitting back every time that these folks put a boot on our neck We're so worried, we're so determined, we're so upset, and then they slightly lift that boot from our neck to give us a breath, and we think that everything is over. We're going to go back to normal, and that's not the case. So really start to think about what you're going to do. Start writing down your current options. Start writing down your goals, and then start to figure out how you get from where you are now to the goal you want to reach the moves you have to make, the sacrifices you're going to have to make in order to get yourself out of the position that you are currently in. That is the most realistic way to approach this stuff, folks. Hoping for it, dreaming about it, hoping it will all go away. That That's not realistic. It's not realistic. You know the plans. You know what these guys are doing. So start working on your plans, your exit strategy from this system. Because I'm telling you, the rug pull is coming, and it's not going to go back to normal. 
even though Trump is running, folks. It's not going to change a thing. In fact, if they put him back in power, it will be for the purpose of further accelerating more technocracy. That's my belief. All right, I'm going to pull this document back up on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to pick up where we left off. We were talking about unemployment under this section, eugenics uh, effects of minimum wage laws. And we see that minimum wage was designed for the purpose of pushing eugenics. It says progressive economists, like their neoclassical critics, believe that binding minimum wages would cause job losses. However, the progressive economists also believed that the job loss induced minimum wages was a social benefit as it performed the eugenic service ridding the labor force of the, quote, unemployable, end quote. Sidney and Patrice Webb, this is back in 1897, put it plainly, quote, with regard to certain sections of the population, the unemployable, this unemployment is not a mark of social disease, but actually of social health. Of all ways of dealing with these unfortunate parasites, end quote, Sidney Webb in 1912 opined in the Journal of Political Economy, quote, the most ruinous to the community is to allow them to unrestrainedly compete as wage earners, end quote. A minimum wage was seen to operate eugenically through two channels by deterring prospective immigrants and this came from 1900, and also by removing from employment the, quote, unemployable, end quote, who thus identified could be, for example, segregated in rural communities or sterilized. So again, folks, the idea was to raise the minimum wage, therefore making an employer say to themselves, you know, Bob isn't worth $5 an hour. I was paying Bob $3 an hour. Now I have to pay him $5 an hour. So I'm going to just fire Bob, right? Now Bob is unemployable. He's deemed as unfit. And the eugenicist could just take him and send him off to some concentration camp or sterilize him, okay? Chemically castrate him. And that's it for Bob. So now you see the thinking that went behind this uh, progressive ideology. It goes on to say the notion that minimum wage induced disemployment is a social benefit distinguishes its progressive proponents from their neoclassical critics, such as Alfred Marshall in 1897, Philip Wicksteed in 1913, A.C. Pigot in 1913 and John Bates Clark in 1913, who regarded job loss as a social cost of minimum wages, not as a putative social benefit. Columbia's Henry Rogers Seeger, a leading progressive economist who served as president of the AEA in 1922, provides an example. Now, there you go, right? So you've got this Henry Rogers Seeger also coming out of Columbia. A lot of stuff was going on in Columbia. We have technocracy coming out of Columbia. We have some eugenics coming out of Columbia. We have FDR's brain trust that developed the New Deal coming out of Columbia. All right, so a lot of stuff happening in Columbia. Also, at the same time, IBM was there in the early stages of what would later be the Watson computer, which uh, actually helped the Nazis. It goes on to say, worthy wage earners 
Seeger, this is in 1913, argued need protection from the, quote, wearing competition of the casual worker and the drifter, end quote, and from other, quote, unemployable, end quote, who unfairly dragged down the wages of more deserving workers. He said this in 1913. The minimum wage protects deserving workers from the competition of the unfit by making it illegal to work for less. So see how they socially engineer? So minimum wage laws were the social engineering technique, forcing employers to abide by certain laws and then firing all of these people. They paid less than what was the new minimum wage And then those people they fire are deemed unemployable or unfit and that they can then genocide them, right? You see how this works? All engineering, folks. Very intelligent. Very smart the way they come up with this. But this is manipulation. This is how they do it. Seeger in 1913 wrote quote the operation of the minimum wage requirement would merely extend the definition of defectives to embrace all individuals who even after having received special training remain incapable of adequate self-support end quote Seeger made clear what should happen to those who even after remedial training could not earn the legal minimum quote if we are to maintain a race that is to be made of up of capable oh what the hell is that? that's an error there it says quote if we are to maintain a race that is to be made up of capable efficient and independent individuals and family groups we must courageously cut off lines of heredity that have been proved to be undesirable by isolation or sterilization like do you see this this was this was spoken about openly back in the day woodrow wilson president woodrow wilson spoke about this president theodore roosevelt spoke about this stuff um no different than today I mean, we hear Peter Thiel talk about it. We hear Elon Musk talk about it. We hear Klaus Schwab. We hear Yuval Noah Harari. So they talk about this stuff out in the open. It was no different back then than it is today. But most people want to just look to World Economic Forum and think that these things are new. This is not new, folks. This goes back to the late 1800s right here in the United States. It says the unemployable were those Uh, were thus those workers who earned less than some measure of an adequate standard of living, a standard the British called a, quote, decent maintenance, end quote, and Americans referred to as, quote, a living wage, end quote. For labor reformers, firms that paid workers less than the living wage to which they were entitled were deemed parasitic, as were the workers who accepted such wages on grounds that someone charity state other members of the household would need to make up the difference all right so go back a hundred years ago really 125 years ago and it's the same thing they called it a living wage right we need a living wage well you hear that in campaign ads today so we're just in this recycled rinse repeat cycle it's just this loop that we live inside of and so as you look at these people that are working below this living wage, they are now deeming them to be parasites because the difference would have to be made up through charity, through the state, or through other members 
of the household. But what ends up happening? The state drives people out of work and then it offers them uh, welfare. It actually incentivizes them not to work. That's what universal basic income is, folks. They are going to pay people, whatever it be, $1,000, $2,000, 1,000 energy credits, 1,000 carbon credits, whatever it may be, they're going to pay you not to work. Andrew Yang, who ran as president under the Democrat Party in 2020 and was backed and endorsed by Elon Musk was pushing universal basic income. He is the person who was chosen to bring that into the American lexicon. And his entire campaign was based on the fact that robots and artificial intelligence were coming to replace you or your son or your daughter or your grandkids. And therefore, it was only fair for the elites who were going to replace you to give you a check of a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever it may be so you see it's always this social engineering and now they're socially engineering people into accepting that they're going to be replaced by the robots you'll get the ubi the only way to make a difference is to then merge with the robots through a brain chip or whatever other means they're going to offer at that time but you see the same kind of stuff going on back here in the late 1800s early 1900s folks it was there all along See, no one really understands the history of our country, and they don't understand technocracy and transhumanism and the histories of those two respective schools of thought. They don't understand it. And so if people did, everything that we're looking at today would not be a surprise to them because you would realize this business plan has been in the works for well over a century. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to me right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, feel free to reach out to us at the email gold at pain.tv. You can hit me up and direct message at pain.tv slash gold or any of the social media accounts listed in the description of this podcast. All right, folks, let's continue with this article because i really want to try to wrap this up today it says for progressives a legal minimum wage had the useful property of sorting the unfit who would lose their jobs from the deserving workers who would retain their jobs royal meeker a princeton economist who served as woodrow wilson's u.s commissioner of labor opposed a proposal to subsidize the wages of poor workers for this reason 
Meeker preferred a wage floor because it would disemploy unfit workers and thereby enable their culling from the workforce. Quote, it is much better to enact a minimum wage law, even if it deprives these unfortunates of work, end quote, argued Meeker in 1910. Quote, better that the state should support the inefficient wholly and prevent the multiplication of the breed then subsidize incompetence and unthrift, enabling them to bring forth more of their kind, end quote. Let's repeat that. Better that the state should support the inefficient wholly and prevent the multiplication of the breed than subsidize incompetence and unthrift, enabling them to bring forth more of their kind, end quote. Wow. Wow, I mean, just to see the mentality of these folks. A.B. Wolf, this is in 1917, an American progressive economist who later became president of the AEA in 1943, also argued for the eugenic virtues of removing from employment those who, quote, are a burden on society, end quote. Now, my question is, And I haven't dug really deep into this yet. If these people were working, if they were employed below whatever they call the living wage, I mean, they were employed. Someone did find value in the service these folks provided, right? Some employer obviously employed them. So their job was to now make sure these people didn't work. Again, deeming them unemployable or unfit. Well, of course, you drove them out of the workforce so that then they can offer up the solution of putting them in concentration camps or sterilizing them. Uh, Some even advocated for killing them. So you see how this works, folks? I mean, so they're engineering the conclusion. So they're driving these people out of the workforce. It says, in his Principles of Economics, Frank Tossig in 1921 asked rhetorically, quote, how to deal with the unemployable, end quote. Tossig identified two classes of unemployable worker, distinguishing the aged, infirm, and disabled from the, quote, feeble-minded, those saturated with alcohol or tainted with a hereditary disease, and the irretrievable criminals and tramps, end quote. The latter class, Tossick proposed, quote, should simply be stamped out, end quote. Quote, we have not reached the stage, end quote, Tossick allowed, quote, where we can proceed to chloroform them once and for all, but at least they can be segregated, shut up in refuges and asylums, and prevented from propagating their kind. All right, this is Frank Tossick. All right, we're reading about here. I mean, did you, did you hear what I just read to you? This is in a book, Principles of Economics, that we should just stamp them out. We're not at the, the, the stage where we can just chloroform them once and for all, but at least we can segregate them lock them up in asylums, and then prevent them from propagating their kind, from having children. This is the history of the United States. Do you understand this? So when we're talking about restoring the republic, what reality are you living in? 
where was our country so great and so grand? I, I just don't It hasn't been for a long time. So if we're going to go back to the founding, then we also have to go back to slavery. If we're going to go back to the founding, then only white landowning men can vote. I mean, all of those things that changed since the founding are what changed the country into the horrible country that you hate today. I mean, look at this stuff. This is 125 years ago, mainstream ideology to literally engineer people out of the workforce and then lock them up in asylums or uh, sterilize them or kill them, you know, or uh, just choke them to death with chloroform. I mean, this is real stuff, folks. I hope you realize this. This is the type of stuff that our presidents were talking about. It goes on to say, the progressive idea that the unemployable could not earn a living wage was bound up with the progressive view of wage determination. Unlike the economists who pioneered the still novel marginal uh, productivity theory, most progressives agreed that wages should be determined by the amount that was necessary to provide a reasonable standard of living, not by productivity, and that the cost of this entitlement should fall on firms. Okay, so again, this is Economist. Now, I showed you, and I begin to show you, the overlap of these progressive era economists with the scientists and engineers. They're essentially working on the same goals here. So the technocrats introduce later, which is the energy certificate, which solves a lot of these problems. Because you are not looked at as an individual, and the skills that you offer are not looked at as better than anyone else's skills. And the creativity that you bring to the table is just thrown in the dumpster. There is no creativity allowed inside of the technocracy. Okay, so what they're saying is now everyone here should really be equal. You should be given just a living wage to live within the system. The thing with the eugenicists and these economists, they didn't really have the system figured out yet. That's what came later. That's what I believe Technocracy Incorporated was all about, beginning to actually figure out the system in which this whole ideology would operate. So it goes on, but how should a living wage be determined? Were workers with more dependents and thus higher living expenses thereby entitled to higher wages? Arguing that wages should be a matter of an appropriate standard of living opened the door in this era of eugenics to theories of wage determination that were grounded in biology, in particular to the idea that, quote, low-wage races, end quote, were biologically predisposed to low wages or, quote, underliving, end quote. Edward A. Ross in 1936 wrote, uh, or Edward A. Ross, this is 1936, he's a proponent of race suicide theory, argued that, quote, the coolie cannot outdo the American, but he can uh, underlive him, end quote. Quote, native, end quote, workers have higher productivity, claim Ross, but because Chinese immigrants are racially disposed to work for lower wages, they displace the native workers. All right, so they were figuring all this out back then, really going through a lot of the stuff we would talk about in modern politics, right? But it's the same arguments being made, and in the end, they could have just closed the borders and turned away ships full of immigrants. It would have been that easy, really. But no, they have to start getting into this idea of sterilizing people, locking them in cages, let's engineer them out of the workforce, then deem them to be unfit, and then chloroform them. 
I mean, this is just wild. It's wild. I mean, we'd never learn this in the public school system. Did you ever learn this? I mean, I, I've read about this stuff over the years. I researched eugenics probably 14, 15 years ago on my own. But did you ever learn this in the public school system? I don't think so. It goes on to say, in his Races and Immigrants, this is a book, Races and Immigrants, the University of Wisconsin economist and social reformer John R. Commons argued that wage competition not only lowers wages, it also selects for the unfit races. Quote, the competition has no respect for the superior races, end quote, said Commons in 1907. Quote, the race with lowest necessities displaces others, end quote. Because race rather than productivity determined living standards, Commons could populate his low-wage races category with the industrious and lazy alike. African Americans were, for Commons, quote, uh, indolent and fickle, end quote, which explained why Commons argued slavery was required. Quote, the Negro could not possibly have found a place in American industry had he come as a free man. Such races are to adopt that industrious life, which is second nature to races of the temperate zones. It is only through some form of compulsion, end quote. Similarly, Wharton School reformer Scott Nearing, now remember, Scott Nearing inspired Rexford Guy Tugwell, who was the lead thinker on the brain trust that gave us FDR's New Deal. He was also a uh, fan of Thorstein Veblen, who inspired Howard Scott, uh, who created technocracy. All right, so similarly, Wharton School reformer Scott Nearing in 1915 volunteered that if, quote, an employer has a Scotchman working for him at $3 a day, an equally efficient Lithuanian offers to do the same work for $2, the work is given to the low bidder, end quote. Well, that's what happens sort of in free market capitalism. Now, we could argue about the race to the bottom which you see today, right? So people sell their products uh, through places like Amazon, these trading hubs. And at the end of the day, it might be a $100 item and it gets down to who's going to be willing to make one penny on the item because the guy wants to make five cents on the item or 10 cents or 20 cents is uh, pushed out of the market because it's a race to the bottom. So we could argue about the race to the bottom and immigrants coming in and doing jobs for cheaper just like today with the H-1B visa programs or illegals coming in, working under the table, doing construction instead of paying an American worker or someone here illegally. But see, you can argue that all on immigration law and border security. Right? Secure the border and stop bringing in immigrants until every American has a job. But no, that's never the answer. So these guys start talking about how to genocide people. All right, when I get back, we're going to talk more about this because there's a long way to go in this document, but I think it is really important. This is invaluable information, and I, and I seriously challenge you, even though you might not get anywhere, but if you want to kill a little time uh, in between writing down your solutions, working on your options to escape the matrix, you know, prod someone that identifies on the left and try to inform them of these progressive era economists. Start to just prime them by telling them what geniuses they were 
were, the progressives were so correct, and get them to go along with you and say, yes, 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 yes. The progressive era professors were so wonderful, wonderful people. And then start to tell them about how they wanted to chloroform immigrants and chloroform people they deemed to be unfit and how they were going to use minimum wage laws to drive these people out of the workforce for the purpose of then calling them unemployable, which leads to being unfit or feeble-minded, and then those people would be locked up in cages or asylums or sterilized or you know, chloroformed and murdered. Yeah, let them know what the progressive era economists and the technocratic scientists and engineers were doing and thinking about humanity. Let them know that's the history of their party. That's the history of their ideology. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 